You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. Talk to you this morning about plans, planning, and making plans. Um, I think if you've been in the Proverbs, and hopefully you have now for several weeks, you've been in the Proverbs, which some of you have been telling me about your reading experience in the Proverbs, and it's, it's great to hear the different reactions that you are experiencing in yourself as you get into the book of Proverbs. I was amazed that there's a number of us that this is sort of our first attempt at really digging into the book of Proverbs, and it's really been good so far. Uh, so thank you for the due diligence that you're giving to, to doing that. Um, this, this, this book of Proverbs hopefully is going to be insightful to you to see that, that much, much of life is about choices. It's about the kind of choices we make uh, and whether we make good choices or bad choices and the reality that there are consequences both of good and bad choices that, that we make. And, uh, and so how do we bring God into that? How does God get into that or go into that with us? Uh, how, do we, how do we live our lives and position ourselves so that we are making appropriate choices or good choices? And these are some of the things that we want to look at a little bit this morning as we, as we go through some of the passages in the book of Proverbs. Um, I, I just think that life is just filled with decisions from early on. And uh, I've noticed two, uh, two major camps in terms of decision-making. Uh, it is those people who, they can just make a decision on the spot. It's, it's on the dime. I mean, they're just ready. To, they're, they're eager. They're ready to make a decision. I grew up in one of those kinds of homes. My mother would say to us, she would say, decide, decide, decide. And, and we would be hesitant about making a decision or making a call and, and she would get very frustrated with us, and she would say, listen, a bad decision is better than no decision at all. Just make a decision. Uh, and, and so there was great pressure for us to decide something. And sometimes it was that pressure, that intensity of, of, of pressure that, that forced a decision out of us. It's like it squeezed us to the point that a decision got made. Good or bad, but we made the decision, you know. And, and the problem with that is that we then had to live with the decision that we made, you know. And, and so that's not, a, that's not a good thing necessarily, all right. Then there are those people, some of you are like them. You can't make a decision before the sun goes down in a given day. You just don't make decisions. You are one of those people that uh, is termed or labeled indecisive, meaning that you are weighing things out. Have you ever stood in the line at Starbucks? Some of you have never done that, obviously, but, but if you have, you would find these kinds of people. And you start to know someone is a decision maker. You want to be behind them because they know exactly what they want. Venti latte, no foam, two raw sugars, thank you. And they go on, they pay and go on their way, you know, shake their little phone and stick it up there and boom, they're out of there, you know. And then there are those people who are just, they're, they're just like, and, and they're reading all of the menu and it's becoming more and more overwhelming. And, and then here's when you know you're really in for a wait, is when they have done this, this sort of scan and then they do this. As if they need to get a bigger view. You know, it's just, it's just not, 
there's not enough air between them and the board, you know, so they've got to, they've got to get a bigger view of it, you know. Um, they just can't make a decision. And that's not good either, all right? So how do we as Christians live our lives out and plan? Uh, because I think this is really, really important for us, all right? It, it, I think it's one of the most important issues in any of our lives, that of making choices, making decisions, because we make them every day. Now, there's not a day goes by that you're not going to make a decision. Now, some of those decisions are going to be really, really big for you. Decisions like, like uh, getting married or who you're going to marry, what career choice you're going to make. For, for Stephen and Samantha, it's like seminary or uh, a school in Turkey or, you know, uh, what, 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 th- those are big decisions. That's not like, well, should we have apples or oranges for breakfast this morning? You know, that's not... That, that, that's not necessarily a big decision, but there are big, big decisions that we make. They're very significant, uh, and, and, and we need to realize that those consequences of those decisions add up, all right? Uh, and, and those consequences are just as equally significant as the decision itself, and sometimes maybe even more significant, especially for those monumental decisions that we have to make, okay? So here's the thing. The choices we make are going to determine our future. They are going to affect our destiny, all right? I've heard people say um, that most decisions can be made by a reasonably competent person of average intelligence. You don't need to be super intelligent or super smart to make a decision, all right? Uh, You can usually make pretty competent decisions, for whatever reasons, many of us question ourselves, maybe more than other people question us, uh, about our decisions. So, so what it really comes down to is that, that we make a lot of decisions in a given day, and those decisions can add up in terms of consequences or ramifications for our lives. And so we do want to make good decisions, don't we? We really do want God to be in our decision-making. All right? And yet, oftentimes, I think we find ourselves looking back on a situation and realize that we really didn't bring God into it. We really sort of just made that decision based on what we think God might would have thought about it. You know? And so that's how we respond to situations and, and to choices. So the question, I think, this morning for us would be, uh, really, how do, how do we make good decisions in life? And can we find some direction out of Scripture for that process? And I think that we can. And so I want to sort of like dialogue that a little bit this morning or, or, or unpack that a little bit this morning. I, I think that there are kind of two major schools of thought about decision-making, all right? And uh, one of them is sort of like what I would call um, the hands-off approach. Like, I'm really not going to, I'm not going to be too involved in decision-making. I'm not going to make very many decisions. I'm just going to go with life because basically that's what life is. It's just me going along and whatever God wants to do or whatever fate has for me, that's the way it's going to be. So if I'm a believer, I'm going to believe that, that, that God's just going to do it. Or if I'm not a believer, maybe I'm just going to think that fate is, is going to, to do that. Um, Oedipus was uh, uh, a mystical character in Greek mythology, and, and he was sort of, it was sort of prophesied to him that he, when he got older or grew up, that he would do two things. Number one, he would actually kill his father, 
And the second thing was that he would marry his own mother. And, and if, if you've not read this, it's not a great story to, 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 to enjoy, but, but it, it has, it has this, this amazing sort of like picture of the wrestling of life because, because Oedipus did not want to fulfill this prophecy. And so he spent his life uh, fighting it, trying to not fulfill this prophecy to make sure that it didn't happen to him. So he was not going to kill his father and he was not going to fall in love with and marry his mother. And yet it did happen even though he fought it. And so there's this, this story about fate in, in this, this mystical story here that, that we have. And that's the way some people look at life is that, well, it's just going to happen. It's just going to be. I can't I can't fight it. I can't change it. I can't do anything about it. And so I'm not going to. I'm just going to, to go along. I'm going to be buffeted uh, by life. And I'm going to just end up wherever I end up. And that is the way it is. And, and these people who think like this go so far as to buy into the deception that they cannot escape this kind of fate, if you will, that their destiny is so predetermined that no matter what you do, you really can't avoid that end result. And so there's this futility, if you will, to it all. And so decision-making is greatly diminished in, in that, that sort of view, all right? Well, that's not where we want to camp. That's not where we want to find ourselves as God's people, is it? I, I would not want to embrace that and live there. There's, a, there's sort of almost like an opposing view that, that's probably... Um, something that, that maybe, maybe some of us hold. And, and uh, uh, one pastor said, he, he, he relays it this way. He says, I, I go to my, my favorite theologian. Now, his favorite theologian is Doc from Back to the Future. If you, uh, if, if you remember Doc, okay? And this is what Doc says in Back to the Future. He says, your future hasn't been written yet. No one's has. Your future is what you make it. So make it a good one. Make it a good one. In other words, you have all of this ability to determine your future. It's all up to you. It's all determined by just your choices that you make, and you can do it. You can make whatever choices, and if you make these really right, good choices, then you're going to have a great future. A great destiny is out there for you. So it's sort of like, don't screw it up, all right? Don't, don't mess with it. Don't mess it up with these bad choices. Now, I think there's a, there's a unique view that really doesn't fit in either of these categories. And, uh, and I think this is a view that you may have been exposed to within the church. And this view is um, that God has this perfect will for your life. Um, and, and it's like everything is is very rigid and very set, like the person you're supposed to marry. There's only one person that you're supposed to marry. There's only one job that you're supposed to take and so on like that. So it's like the bullseye. It's like a target. And you, so, so the responsibility is on you that you figure out the target, all right? And, and, and you go after that, and that's it. You've got to hit it, otherwise it's a total miss, all right? So it's your job to discern uh, what is the will of God and the series of steps uh, that you need to take, like, like praying, 
uh, which we certainly would include in our, our efforts to make good decisions, like throwing out fleeces, you know, testing God, figuring something like that out to confirm what he wants, and, and sort of like sensing your own sort of peace. Now, th- there's, there's a certain amount of pressure with this particular view uh, that comes with it, and that is, is, is this, because if, if you marry the wrong person, uh, you not only miss the bullseye for you, but then, and that's the only person, then, then you've missed it, all right? But, but you haven't just missed it for you, but you've missed it for that person you married because there's somebody else that should have married them, and so now they've missed the bullseye because you married them, but then there's this other turkey out here who isn't even involved, but he or she was supposed to marry that person, and now the bullseye's missed for them, and so now it just escalates if, if that's the way you're approaching it so that one wrong decision or one wrong choice just just dominoes or, or, or snowballs into this mess that we can't pull it back together now because we've made all these horrible mistakes in our decision making. So it's in this kind of context that I'm coming to you this morning and, and, and asking you to come into the Proverbs with me and, and, and I want us to, to sort of wrestle here a little bit with how in the world are we supposed to, to make wise decisions? How is, how is this supposed to happen? And I think the Proverbs are very helpful to us. I think they can help us answer this. And, and I think the Proverbs are really, really just spattered with sort of nuances and practical ways of, of looking at this subject of decision making. All right? Now... The bottom line is you're going to have to make some decisions. It's absolutely necessary for you to make decisions, and it's inevitable you are going to make decisions, all right? So you need some handbook. You need some source that you can go to that will help you in your decision-making, all right? So I think the first of, uh, point of our role is that when we come uh, to the point of decisions, all right, that is, our, our, our role is, is first to, 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 to do our part in this decision-making. So we have first role, all right? That's us. But then I think God has a role in this, and, and I think that's the second role. That's God's role. But then the third thing that has to happen, or the third role that plays out here in decision-making, is, is that how, how we put these two together, how we put our plans, planning decision-making together with God and what God would do and would have us to do. We mesh those together, and then we come out with this process, I believe, of good decision-making. All right? Where there's, there's success and there's sensibility and there's peace and, and there's fruitfulness in what we do. And so my, my goal here is to help you to sort of understand this process to see your role, to maybe see God's role, to see how they can come together, and to help you that as you are going forward here, you're making good, informed decisions that are biblically sound and based so that you are not living a life filled with regrets. And that's the real key here, is not just that you make good decisions, but your life is not a regrettable life. That you're not living in this place. Now, I understand. God can come in and take care of a lot of past stuff. I, 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 I get that. But why live a life that is always 
in this spirit of regret and asking God to crisis manage our poor decisions? Why not live a life that is built out of an ability to make very wise and good decisions and plan well so that we are prospering in God and being effective in the kingdom and doing something for God that is substantial or significant? And so that's what I want to do with you this morning, all right? So first of all, let's take a little look at our role in decision-making, all right? Let's just kind of look at a few scriptures here. Uh, Just about everything I'm going to give you today is going to come out of the book of Proverbs, okay? So if you want to be there with me, you can. There are Bibles in the back. You can grab one if you you would like to. You can take notes, and uh, Melissa does a fabulous job of throwing all this stuff up on on the screen as well, okay? So either way, it works for you. That's fine, all right? The Proverbs teach us that we have this role in making our decisions, all right? And that's what I want to sort of be the groundwork here, the the foundation that we start with. So let's go to Proverbs 21, verse 5, all right? And look right there for just a moment, okay? Proverbs 21, 5 says, The plans, the planning of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty doesn't have a plan, makes quick decisions, only comes to poverty, all right? So, so there's this sense that there is a great benefit to planning ahead, to laying out a plan and executing that plan. It will prosper us. We will find abundance in doing that. Uh, and, and just think about your own life. Just look back over time and think about a few situations where you encountered difficulty because you didn't plan very well ahead and it was actually a, a more expensive venture or adventure than it would have been if you had executed it well and planned ahead. So planning ahead is very much biblical and very, very crucial to us being able to be good stewards of our own lives in the kingdom of God. All right? Now, let's go a little further and let's look at Proverbs chapter 24, verse 6. It says, For by wise guidance, in other words, planning, you can wage war. And in abundance of counselors, there is victory. All right? Now, this, this is the, the, the picture here, the word picture is that of war. All right? And so, uh, I, I know that that... that Sounds like, well, I'm not, I'm not going to be fighting. I'm not going to be going to war here. No, but life is a battle, folks. It really is. And we need to be realizing strategies and not just realizing them or understanding them, but utilizing them. It's one thing for someone to give you a tool that you can use to make your life better, but it's another thing for you to actually implement that tool and utilizing it in your life so your life is better. All right? and, and I want you to be able to understand a strategy here that I think is, is brought out in this particular passage, and I want to use to pull two words from it to do that. One is guidance. You need it. You need guidance. You need direction. All right? And the victory is won through many advisors. So we need guidance. We need direction. We need information. We need understanding. We need revelation, if you will. But we also need to be able to value advisors, those that God would put around us who could speak into our lives, who could talk to us about the issues of life. Now, here's the great problem for many of you, and especially, gentlemen, we have issues. 
with getting the advice of others. We are the independent male. We are the man who doesn't need anybody else. We are secure. We are self-reliant. We're going to do it ourselves. Don't need nobody to help me. That's just too risky. But Proverbs is spattered with this idea of a multitude of counselors, of those who are wise and sagely. And we've been talking to you a little bit about this, and we alluded to this in the discipleship process. Those of you who are entering into or looking towards that grandparent stage in the discipleship process, you are this multitude of counselors. You are those that that the young in the body need to be able to run to. You need to be an open doorway to your wisdom and your experience so that they can come to you and get advice prior to making a decision. The grandparent stage is not one where you have the gift to say, I told you so. It's the gift to say, hey, wait, can I speak into this? It may help you to make the right decision. And for those of you who are in younger stages in the discipleship process, it would behoove you, it would benefit you greatly to lay down your self-reliance and your pride and your independence to say, you know what, I need this in the body of Christ. And it will help me, it will help me to put these people around me so that they may speak into my life the wisdom and the understanding that I need. And I think that's one of the huge and crucial aspects of uh, decision-making, is that we're not doing it alone, that we're not going alone in this. Pastor Dave and I are the pastors of this church. We understand our role and our calling pretty good. Uh, We love our calling. We love pastoring this church. We love charting the course for this church. We love setting vision. We love casting that vision. We love implementing that vision with all of you. We love discipling you and preaching to you and counseling you and encouraging you and confronting you and challenging you and all those kinds of things that we do as pastors. We love that. But we love that not only because we are called to do it and we feel that calling deep within our soul, but we also love to do it because we know that we have a group of elders who sit before us and we submit ourselves to them. And even this morning in our elders meeting, we sat around them and we said to them, we need you to speak into this issue. We will not make decisions alone. Because we understand the value of the counselors, the the multitude, if you will. If you don't have those kinds of people in your life, you need to establish that. Here's how I would establish it. First of all, I would pray. I would ask God to give me divine appointments. Bring me into the pathway of those people that you would have to speak into my life. Look at what God has already provided for you, which may be apparent. It may be a great uncle or a grandfather. It it may be a professor. It may be uh, an older employee at your business. It may be a a counselor that you know uh, from, from long ago. Someone that maybe God has put around you that can speak life to you and encourage you, but also ask you the hard questions and challenge you. And you need to be comfortable to say, hey, here's what's going on with me. This is a decision that is in front of me, and I would love to get your take on it. I'd love for you to speak into this. 
It's amazing. Did you know that premarital counseling is just ridiculously stupid? I don't know why we do it. If we're going to do it, we ought to call it something else. Like, I already made my mind up, but I want to come do this just so I feel good about it. Because people who come in for premarital counseling, which should be like prior to a decision to get married to see if this is the right direction for us, come in with their wedding date, all of their plans, everything's together, and here's when the ceremony is and what time we want you at the church. Now, what do you want to do with us? Don't, don't run into life with your decisions already made and then turn around and go, oh, yeah, counselors, talk to me. Those who God has divinely put around me and orchestrated to speak into my life, now you can talk to me, but here's my decision I made. We're just, we're just not good at the, the biblical model, the process that, that is in the scriptures. And those of you who are young adults, um, please learn here. The voice of experience speaks to you right now. Learn so that you do not go through all of these mistakes and expend so much of your time and energy and resources in correcting situations and circumstances in your life. Find people. Find people who, they're out there, folks. They're out there. And so I would ask you, especially you who are young adults, because there's a lot of you in here. And in two Sundays, you're going to be in my house eating food. I want it to be a happy day. So find someone to talk to before the 8th of June. And share your heart with them. I dare say that, that there's... There's, there's, there's not one person sitting here that would not be able to almost immediately think of some personal regret in your life. And when you think about that, could you think about, and have you maybe said to yourself, oh, if I could just live that over. If I could just go back to that one thing and do it again, I would do it differently. I would do it another way. You know, Perhaps if we would have had the godly counsel before us, it would have changed our course. It would have changed our direction, perhaps, okay? So, so we need guidance. We need many advisors, goodness. Um, if, if you make good decisions, you will get to enjoy the benefit of them, all right? And, and the book of Proverbs speaks to this. I, I'm going I'm to pull out an, an example from way back in the back of Proverbs, Proverbs 31. You ladies are going to go, oh, there he goes. He's going to talk about that big, great woman, and I just can never live up to her. Uh, I, just, I, w- I want to pull one, one thing out of there uh, that speaks of the noble woman that I think embodies like, like the wisdom that, that we're talking about of, of getting, getting good advice. It says in, in verse 25, Proverbs 31, it says that, that um, strength and dignity are her clothing. And this is what I want to focus on right here. She laughs at the time to come. In other words... This is a woman who is at peace. She has already made decisions. She has already done planning. 
and executed those plans and made decisions in life and, and acted on those decisions in such a way that regardless of what comes her way, what in life buffets her, she is able to be at peace in that. It isn't, it isn't a guarantee that if you make all the right decisions that you're not going to deal with adversity. There's no, there's no guarantee that if you make all the right decisions that, that there, there won't be an, an, an unhappy place in your life. The guarantee is that God will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And if you have made good decisions in life, in all likelihood, you will be able to handle whatever buffets you. Because you have done the right kind of planning and acted on those plans and executed them in such a way with godly advice and wisdom that you are benefiting. Your life is prospering, if you will, and you have obtained blessing in the process. One of the clearest verses that I think describes both the importance of, of planning and, uh, and, and, and one of sort of like the, the, the most important ingredients in planning, all right, um, is Proverbs chapter 20, verse 18. Uh, it says there, plans are established by counsel, all right? One translation says, plans are established by seeking advice, all right? Uh, by wise guidance, we wage war. In other words, we step out in these, these uh, tremendous major decisions of life as we acquire this guidance and as we, we lay out the plans. You know, a person would be foolish to go to war if they didn't have a plan. Imagine just having all the troops lined up, uh, ready to engage in the battle, and somebody says, oh, okay, okay, general, what's the plan? I don't know yet. We'll just wing it. I would not want to be in that battle. I would not want to be on that side. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just challenge those of you who are Holy Ghost filled, charismaniacs for just a moment here. Um, let's be careful, folks, when we say, I just want the Spirit to move. Let's be a little bit careful there, all right? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to, to reshape that just a little bit. I want you to be able to say, I want, in the context of God's will and what He has given us to do, for the Holy Spirit to come and move as powerfully as He possibly can. And if that includes interrupting my plans, then so be it and amen to it. But not this like, well, let's just go to church Sunday morning. Pastor, don't, don't prepare a sermon. Don't plan. Charity, Nathan, don't, don't think about your songs. We're, we're going to do a new thing now because that's what God's all about, new thing. So we're just going to just go with the flow. If you're at camp and, and you've been out hiking all day and you come back in and they feed you nasty hot dogs and you need to be encouraged and you want to sit around the fire and someone grabs a guitar and you just want to go with it, go with it. That's a great opportunity to do that. I can kumbaya with the best of you. You can do it. But when it comes to a church and a full body of believers who have been equipped and who are called to go out and make an impact in their neighborhood, their community, their region, and beyond, and God has set pastors and elders into that, that church 
to lead and guide. And you have a discipleship process by which you are to, to go and, and be developed and be matured. Folks, there needs to be some planning going on. There needs to be some, some counsel and some wisdom being brought forth. The church needs to be moving out of that because we are saying, in essence, to use the analogy that I, that I started with, we are waging war on this neighborhood. We are waging war on the powers and the principalities of darkness that are coming against our city. We are waging a war on the spirits in the demonic realm that is trying to take hold of the lives of people and bind them up and hold them captive. We are waging war. And with war, we need to have plans. All right? We're not going to wing it, if you will, in that respect. We are going to leave ourselves open to all that the Holy Spirit wants us to do. And we're going to be filled with the spirit of power. And we're going to operate out of the understanding that God has plans for us, plans to prosper us, give us a hope and a future, all right? So we need to be able to execute a plan that is well thought through and prayed over. We need a plan for our outreach at the end of the summer. We need a plan. We need people who can execute that plan. This is, and when the plan comes into fruition, then people need to see their role and their part and say, I, I got that. That's my gifting. I can do that. And so people come in and begin to move on the plan that is in place. And all of that time, we need to be able to say, hey, Holy Spirit, what do you, what do you want? What are you doing? What, what, what needs to happen here? So, so we, we, I've got to wrap this up. We need to begin with the human side and say, okay, I need to plan. I need to be a person who plans, all right? Now, and I know some people think, ah, oh, that's a little bit unspiritual to plan. Now, I think it's very spiritual to plan based on the book of Proverbs. I think we're called to plan. I think Proverbs actually says, you know what? That's bunk. You need, you need to have plans, all right? Some people say that, that we need to go through uh, all kinds of spiritual exercises to determine God's will. Proverbs says plan. Just make a plan. All right? You, you, you use your brain, get good advice, make good decisions, look out into the future. That's the human side of planning. Make a plan. And then second, folks, we need to look at what God's role is here when it comes to the decisions that we make. And so let's go a little bit further here and unpack it a little bit more because I think Proverbs also is teaching us that not only do we have a role to play in our decisions and our planning, but so does God. All right? So, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 1 and 2. The plans, the plans you've made, based on what I just laid out for you. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the Spirit. What this means is, I think, that we can plan, all right? But God may have something different in mind than all of what we plan, all right? God's ways are higher than ours. God's thoughts are higher higher than ours. God is God. We are human. We are frail in that sense, all right? 
So, so I think verse, verse 1 here gives us an example. Um, uh, have, you ever, have you ever been like in a situation where you had to talk to somebody and it was maybe going to be a little bit of a diff- difficult situation or a difficult conversation? And so uh, you, you, you make the arrangements to meet with that person and talk to them, and you're thinking about what you need to say. And so you come up with a plan. Obviously, you pray, and you seek God, and maybe you get into the Word a little bit. You know, you talk to someone else, maybe who's been through some of the same kinds of situations. And so as you do that, you come up with this plan, if you will. And so you may even sort of uh, role-play it with someone or just by yourself to say, this is what I'm going to do, this is what I'm going to say, this is how it's going to go, this is how it's going to get laid out. And then you get into the situation and you start the conversation and it's just totally different. It isn't at all what you thought it was going to be. It's not going the way of the plan. And yet you've been in a situation where at the end of the conversation or at the end of the situation... The end was better. It came out actually better than what you originally planned or thought. And you're just like, wow, well, what was that? And the immediate response is, should be, and usually is, nothing but God could have done that. You know, you had a plan, but God came into the plan. You executed your plan to the best of your ability, yet God moved, and in that sort of scenario, literally changed your tongue, so to speak, and gave you what you needed to say. The plan was to speak with this person and, and maybe to bring a confrontation or whatever. And you, you executed that plan, but God came into it and did something with it that made it a bit more. All right? So, so you can plan all you want and you should, but if God wants you to say or do something different, then you are going to say or do something different. Or you should. You can plan all you want to, but if God wants something else to happen or something different to happen than what your plan dictates, then something else is going to happen or can happen because God is sovereign. Then... Verse 2 says that God seeks, or, or excuse me, that God sees something completely different than we do. All right? The ways of a man are pure in his own eyes. And maybe in the eyes of his comrades. Your best friend is not necessarily your best counselor, folks. All right? Oftentimes, your best friend is going to tell you what you want to hear. Because they're your best friend. And they're going to help you excuse your sin. Because they're your best friend. And sometimes your sin is their sin. You, You need to be able to have other eyes to see. Thus, the importance of counselors. But there's another set of eyes that come into this thing, all right? Verse 2 is saying that, that when we make a decision, we think we're being objective. We think we're being rational. And, and, and we're often pretty convinced that we've made the correct decision that we've made, all right? Now, that's what the first part of verse 2 says. People may think that all of their ways are pure, but the reality is that though I am, n- the reality is that I am not impartial. I'm not rational when I make decisions. God sees my heart. God sees my 
my motives. And he understands that often I'm not making the best decision, folks, because I have all kinds of mixed motives and investments. And so I do things based on my experience and my desires and my fleshly perceptions of how things ought to go and what I want because I'm a human. And I am prone to the lust of my own flesh. And so I don't necessarily and oftentimes absolutely do not make a decision based on the Spirit of the Lord if I'm left to myself. This is why God says, make your plan. Tell me your dream. Give me your heart. Declare your vision. Great. Now get to it. And then when he says that, he's right there with you and he comes into it. And he begins to to move in your plans. And he begins to work out and sift out those things that are not of God. And those things that are not good for you. Martin Lloyd-Jones says that our problem isn't so much small S sins like sinful actions as much as capital S sins, all right? What he means by that is that we have sinful hearts. We have big sins, all right? Uh, and and they, they skew our thinking. They, me- they mess up our thinking. They mess up our decision-making, all right? And, and we have to let God convict us of those sins, and we have to let God deal with those things. So if we are a person of greed, it is going to affect how we make decisions, if we are a person that is, is prone to our own fleshly lust in the area of, say, sexual sins, that's going to that's gonna skew our decision-making and our planning. All right? If we have difficulty with relationships and, and developing those relationships and walking with people in relationships, that's going to affect our planning. We're not going to plan to relate if we don't feel like we relate very well. We're going to plan to isolate And we're telling you that God says, go out and make disciples. No, I want to go home and close the door. No, I want to build the wall around me. You know, maybe we struggle with just something like laziness. But it's a stronghold in our life, and it's been handed down from one generation to the next. And we've developed this lazy spirit about us. And that's something that that even though we have a great plan, it's very difficult for us to execute it because we don't stay on top of it. And so God's got to come in and deal with some things. John Bunyan said once, this is so convicting, he says, there's enough sin in my best prayer to damn the whole world. Wow. We're human, and this stuff is in us, all right? So, so, so when we are, even, even when we're at our best, we're still full of mixed motives and selfish desires and all kinds of things that corrupt us. We can't make wise decisions like we're supposed to because our heart is corrupt and we lack wisdom. And here's another area that I want to just challenge you on, and that is the, the area of spiritual pride. Folks, just because God gives you a word from the Lord, that doesn't necessarily guarantee that you interpret or hear that word accurately. It's from God. It's, it's right. But it has to go through your grid. And so you hear it out of your grid. It, it's divinely from heaven, but you hear it out of your grid. It's, it's filtered through you and your life and your life experiences and all of that. And so when it comes out of your mouth, it might be skewed a bit. 
And so you need to be able to let someone else hear the word of the Lord and judge it. And that's biblical. All right. You're hearing something from God. This is this is this is a true story. A young man who was in our church years and years and years ago heard that God told him to buy a car. Didn't matter they didn't have a job. He just needed to buy a car. God was going to provide for it. His friend in a very unhealthy and unholy relationship. She proceeded to prophesy to him and prophesied to him to buy a BMW. Not a used one. A new one. Because this God of his wanted to bless him. And you know what? He did it. I don't know how. I wanted to go find the salesman for two reasons. I wanted to tell him he's crazy, but only after I bought a car from him. (laughs) This ought not to be. These kind of things should not be going on in the house of the Lord. These kind of things shouldn't be going on in, in the body of Christ, the community of fellowship. We should be able to say, hey, I think I heard the word of the Lord, but here's how it is coming out for me, and I would like it to be judged. Let's, can, can I bring this to you, and would you at least pray about it and speak back to me? And then those of us who are put in that role need to pray about it and speak back truth and be able to say in love, hey, wait a minute. That, that is, that's not, that's not God. That's not God. Let's go back and let's repray and, and rethink. So, but, but there's some of us in the body of Christ in this day, we're operating in a very, a very prideful spirit that, hey, I've got the word of the Lord. I'm the final word. Here's what I'm saying to you. And, and there's an expectation that you operate off of that without others coming into it and judging it and, 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 and being a part of the process. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? So I want you to be very careful about, about how you hear God and how you uh, present what you hear from God. All right, then let's look at Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9. <clears throat> the heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. The heart of a man plans, all right? It is in God. God's created us with a desire for planning. Some of us get more anal about that than others do, but, but God wants us planning, and so he's created us with the ability to plan, all right? So many are the plans. Uh, the, the human heart just can plan, all right? And, and, and we want to. Uh, but, but the key here is that as the heart of man plans his way, we understand that the Lord establishes his steps, all right? We chart the course, and God comes in, and orders the steps. And so, he's not about thwarting your plan. He's not about crashing your dream. He's not about destroying your vision. He's not about busting up your purpose. That's not the way God operates. He puts this stuff in you, and he allows you the the ability to make these plans and start to to implement them and move them forward, and then he comes into that and says, hey, how about, let's tweak this. Let's work with this. And God also, if he is God, has the ability to say, oh, wait, you missed it. (laughs) That is not my plan for you. All right? And he has the privilege of putting people in your life who can help you to see that and who can say that to you. All right? Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21, many are the plans in a human heart. All right? Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. 
some of you will find that you get very creative with your planning. And you get lots of ideas. And so it starts really churning around in you. And, and, and what you really need is God to say, okay, let's, let's, let's narrow it down here. Let's bring it down to purpose. Let's look at what, what really is essential here and what you need to be doing with your life. And folks, there's a lot of us, and, and we have a need to be loved, and we have a need to be accepted, and we have a need to be appreciated, and we become yes people. And so we say yes to everything. Whatever's going on, we're right there, and we want to do it, and we want to help, and we want to be there, and we spread ourselves out so thin, and we take on things that we maybe aren't even qualified to do, really, and we take on things that are not even in our gift mix, and then at the end of it all, we're resenting the whole thing because we got ourselves into a position to want to do more so that we could be more liked or more appreciated, and so our motive is totally wrong in doing that. It's coming out of our own woundedness and not out of our wholeness, and so we need to be able to up front of that, realize what our limitations are, understand what our true giftings are. This is why in the discipleship process you're asked to to go through the book with the spiritual gifts inventory and look at that and let us sit down with you and work through that with you because it's so important that you're not burnt out and fried, uh, angry and disillusioned, uh, mad and upset and all these kinds of things because you you got yourself into so many plans and spread yourself out way too thin. On the other side of that is you need some plans and you need to be doing some things for God. In all likelihood, God can strengthen you to give you to do more than you ever thought you could do. And so be careful in the same sense to not diminish what God wants you to do. But do you see the tension here? We have a role to play when it comes to decisions, but so does God. God has a role to play in this. And, and we see this especially when it comes to, to sort of the bad things that happen. What, what happens when the decisions that we make are bad ones? Oh, I don't like this part of the message, okay? But what, what happens when we make bad decisions, okay? Let's look at Proverbs chapter 16, verse 4. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble, all right? Um, some, some translations say the day of disaster. Right? Here's what this means, I think. The first part of the verse says that God is in control of everything. But the second part of the verse is saying that when wicked people that we traverse life with make bad choices, or even we, as God's people, make bad choices of utilizing our own free will, then God is able to use even those free choices and those bad choices for good. God can actually work good. God doesn't author evil. But he's able to use even the evil choices that people make around you and use them for his own purposes. And so we can choose, but ultimately God will get his will done in the earth. Even though there are bad choices made along the way. Now that's not an out for you. That's not like, well, okay, then I can just do whatever I want to because God's just going to take care of it. Anyway, that is not what we're saying here at all. We're saying that when a bad choice has been made, you don't have to stay in that place of regret. And you don't have to be upset with those people outside of you who buffet you with their bad choices because you can rely on and trust that God will bring good out of it and he will do something wonderful in spite of bad choices and the consequences of those bad choices. And so you can continue on. You can, 
move forward, if you will, with God, knowing that he is in control, that he is in charge here. The most wonderful example of that that we have is the life of Joseph in the book of Genesis. There is no better choice, in my opinion, than that. Joseph was able to say, after his, his brothers throwing him into the pit and being sold in, into Potiphar's home and, and all these different kinds of things, that, that, I mean, just years and years of abuse and unjustly treated and, and rejection and abandonment and all these kinds of things. And, and in the day when there was great famine and all of Israel was suffering, he was able to literally save a nation of people. And when they came, his brothers and all other guilty parties as well, he was able to say, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is, is, is now being done. And, and, and that is the saving of many lives, all right? The saving of many lives. God, God is able to do this. So there's, there's a tension here that, that we really aren't going to be able to put, put it all together. Uh, are, are we free to make our own choices? Yes. Do our choices really matter? Yes. But does God sovereignly determine the way things are going to turn out? Yes. It feels like a contradiction. But what I hope you can see here today is that as you plan and as you order life, God will come into that and order those steps to align with His will. And you know what? When that happens, you can live within the context of some bad decisions and some poor planning, knowing that if you align yourself with God, you can come out of this thing appropriately. So what, what we got to do here, and I got to wrap this up, is we got to pull this all, all together here, all right? And I don't think there's a better verse to do that than Proverbs 16, 3, all right? Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans, your plans will be established. Your, your plans will be established. This is one of those verses that, that you think you know what it means, but you probably really don't. We, we need to slow down and we need to read it more than once. This, this is what it doesn't say. It doesn't say to make plans and then pray that God will bless them and establish them. That is not what this verse is saying at all. It's not that way. It's saying commit to the Lord whatever you do. All right? Commit your work to the Lord. All right? And, and, and that word commit there literally means to roll or to roll over. It means rolling everything you do on the Lord, all right? Giving Him everything and holding back nothing, all right? It means complete dependence on God. It means that you stop relying on yourself and your plan and you roll it all over. Your whole life gets rolled over to God so that everything you do, who you are, is completely committed to Him. So as you plan... Yeah, man, I'll give you a good example. I have often, not often, I have several times crafted what I thought was a pretty decent sermon. And I spent a lot of time doing it. Only to have God, like, late in the night before or early in the morning of that Sunday change my plan. And I'm like, no, can't do that now. This can't be God. This, this is absolutely is not God. I can't rewrite a sermon. I can't create another sermon right now. I can't do this. Uh, it's amazing what God can do in five minutes in terms of crafting a sermon um, that takes me days or weeks to do. 
but, but I, can get, I can get locked into my plan. Nope, this is what I feel like I was supposed to do. I got it all worked out. I know my closing. I know the application. I know how I'm going to take everybody there, and I know what I'm going to do when I get them there. So I got this. I got this. I got this. You know? And it's in those moments where God has to shout at me and say, well, then you can have it because it's yours. It isn't mine. So you're on your own. And I have to retract, repent, and let God do what he needs to do. I need to roll that over onto God and let him get into it. My plan is still to preach. But I need to let God into my plan so that he can do what he needs to. He can establish the plan his way. So when we say, commit to the Lord whatever you do, we're saying, I'm, I'm rolling it over on God, all right? And this is all happening here uh, as we see it here in verse 3. God will establish your plans, all right? The, and that will come as a result of you giving your entire life over to God and letting him have his complete and holy way in the midst of all of your plans and all of your decisions, Amen. Amen. Commit your plans to the Lord. Christina, would you please come?